I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 148 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, my guest today is a very successful entrepreneur. He once took a company from 200 bucks and sold it for more than $10 million in a matter of months. He has been called a global thought leader by MIT Tech Review. Trevor Chapman will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. Next week on the podcast, I will be joined by a Super Bowl punter who is built like a linebacker, Steve Weatherford, who won a Super Bowl with the New York Giants, will be joining me here, so that one's going to be a lot of fun. And I have a very special guest announcement for you guys. Next week, I will have Broadway star Robert Crichton. He will be here with me. He is currently playing Wesselton in Disney's Frozen on Broadway. He is also the man behind the play about my favorite actor of all time, James Cagney. Crichton wrote the play and starred as Cagney on the stage. And this one would be very special for me because I grew up watching all of Jimmy Cagney's movies. I'll get into that a little bit more next week when I have Robert Crichton here with me. So please lock it in for that one. It's going to be a lot of fun. And speaking about Frozen, my daughter decided to put a couple of her Frozen dolls against our space heater, and there was some Frozen fried hair glued to the screen. We had to punish her for it. Uh, I don't think she will be making that mistake again anytime soon, but these things can happen very quickly with a four-year-old in the house. I'm sure many of you dads can attest to this. Uh, It does break my heart to have to yell at her and discipline her. It's definitely something I need to work on as a dad as she gets older, is being able to be a little bit better with my discipline with her and not have any of the guilt that goes along with it. So it's a work in progress for sure. All right, and another scheduling note for you guys. I am locking in the dates with a couple of guys who scored big on The Bachelor and Bachelorette, and they are now first-class fathers as a result of the shows. One was a runner-up on The Bachelorette and then became The Bachelor himself, and the other first-class father was the winner on The Bachelorette. So follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for those announcements. Uh, they may be a couple of episodes that your wife or your girlfriend or your spouse there may be interested in listening to as well. My wife is big into those shows. Uh, so let's go, dads. There's a lot of good content coming your way. And if you have a chance, please get over to iTunes and hit me with that rating or review. I can't say thank you enough for all your support here. Please share this podcast with any father that's in your neighborhood or in your contact list. And let's keep this podcast rolling right along here. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I am going to jump right into the action right now with First Class Father, Trevor Chapman. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and joining me now is a first-class father. He is a highly successful entrepreneur. It has been said of him that if Elon Musk and Tim Ferriss had a nephew, it would be him. He has just been crushing the world of digital marketing, and it is a huge privilege for me to say, Trevor Chapman, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Dude, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. All right, here we go. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? Yeah, so I've got five kids, 12 years old, 8 years old, 6 years old, a 3-year-old, and a 1-year-old. Awesome. We have four here ourselves, three boys. Then we got our little princess at the end on the fourth try. If we didn't get her on four, we'd have five right along with you there. (laughs) That's good, man. Yeah, my wife, she came from a big family, and I said, hey, look, whatever you want, 
I'll uh, I'll support you in that. And so once we got number five, she said this is good. So we uh, it's five and done. What type of uh, sports or activities are they into? Yeah, so I uh, I'll, I'll give you kind of a roundabout answer to that. When I grew up in Guam, and uh, my dad was a scuba diving instructor. When I was twelve, we moved to Alaska, and so I watched my parents um, what they did: climb, fish, a lot of things outdoors. Um, I was the kid that played every sport until it came time to pay for the jersey. And then I had a great reason why that year I couldn't play because we just grew up with no money. I, uh, you know, I, the work that I did helped pay for the family mortgage, the fish we caught during the summer made sure we could get through the winter. And I was, as I look back in retrospect, it was a very character defining thing because I understood that I am not the clothes I'm wearing because I wore, you know, my classmates clothes that they had donated to the thrift store the prior year. And so as I, as I prepared for fatherhood and I thought about this, and especially throughout the evolution of the last 12 years, I decided with my wife that we wanted our kids to have an identity when they go to school, not be given an identity. And so we placed a strong emphasis on putting them and engaging them in activities and then observing how they responded to it. Did they like it? Was it something that was just okay? And as they get older, it becomes more clear what they enjoy doing and what they're in just because of it. Um, and so, you know, my kids are involved in a whole variety of things. My son's the second, or yeah, he's the second youngest to summit Kilimanjaro. He's the youngest to trekking to Chokichirao. We've done Mount Blanc. We've been all over. My my middle daughter, um, fantastic in gymnastics. Uh, you know, second daughter paints and plays the guitar and everything else. But it was, it's all something that's been engineered, and it, it, there's a dual purpose to it. One, I want them to have their identity, um, like I said, and not be given an identity. And then number two is as a <clears throat> kind of as a hustler, I find that I am off. I don't, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, so I don't have a nine-to-five. And sometimes I'll be gone for an extended period of time. Other times I'll be gone for an extended period of time. I was lucky to sell a handful of companies, and so, you know, we'll be together for three or four months at a time. But I, I experienced incredible guilt as my oldest son got older in thinking to myself, dang, you know, I'm not camping with him every weekend. I'm, I'm not, like, I feel like I should be there more often. And when I did that route, they were kind of these hollow moments where I was at his sports team every weekend, and it was just, it just was what it was. There was no recognition on his end, wow, dad's here, et cetera. So I said, how can I have meaningful moments with my kids, not experience the guilt, and still um, fulfill all of my obligations to my employees, to my customers, et cetera, um, you know, to my wife and extended family? And so what, what we did is we developed this thing, and I promise this answers what they, they do. It's a long way of saying it. But each year I take each kid on a rite of passage trip, uh, starting from sixth birthday on. And for my son, we you know, it's always something that, that it's character building. It's typically mountaineering because it takes a lot to stand at the base of a mountain, look up and say, it's going to take me a week or two to get up there. And then one foot in front of the other, eventually summit. Well, with my girls, it's things that turn them into the princesses that they believe they are. Um, I'm taking my, my second daughter. I just back on the trip with my third. My second daughter, I'm now taking her to a week in Paris and we're staying in castles the entire time. And so um, in identifying what they like to do, I also then um, engineer deliberate moments of father-child time where work is not involved, et cetera. So 
I hope that that's helpful, man. I didn't just run on a tangent and, and uh, mess this up for you. No, not at all, man. That's really cool. I know you said you grew up in Guam. What was that like? And please, take a second to hit my listeners with a little bit more about your background and what you do. So, yeah, in Guam, my dad was a scuba diving instructor. In Alaska, he was a whale-watching boat captain. Um, in, uh, you know, in Alaska, my least favorite chore growing up was catching 36 salmon every day so that we could make it through the winter. <laughs> if we didn't uh, catch them, we didn't eat. And so hard work was not dependent on how we felt. It was something that just had to happen regardless of, of uh, emotion. When I was 21, um, fell in love, knew I had to make it rain. The girl that I was in love with, her dad had a multimillion-dollar company, and so I said, I've got to make money. I had a buddy that said, come knock doors, sell pest control, get through school debt-free. So I did. And uh, I killed it, not because I'm exceptionally good at door-to-door sales, but because if the other guys worked five hours, I worked 10. If they worked six, I worked 12. I just wasn't going to be at work. One thing led to another, and around comes 2008, and I've got a pest control company. You know, three different in office in Florida. Everything fell apart. Lost, you know, tens of thousands of customers overnight because pest control is an accessory. It's something that you cancel when times get tough. And so adhering to this principle of you know, what's your core competency and that at that point in time it was these aggressive sales door to door i transitioned to security commercial security with the same guys that were knocking selling pest control for me eventually we became la's largest access control integrator access control is you know swiping the card or scanning the fingerprint to open up doors we did all of amazon's fulfillment centers boeing subcontractors matt cosmetics um sold that and started a solar company. Um, and I'll, I'll just be brief. It was there that I kind of transitioned online. And uh, from that transition online, I found that I really hit my stride in being able to, I took everything I learned going door to door and took it going screen to screen to make a million dollars in my solar company, took 17 employees, to make a million dollars online, took one virtual assistant, you know, two on a, on a very tough day. And so since then, I've, you know, I've scaled uh, Harvard Business Review said I'm one of the top experts in digital marketing in the world. When I had my podcast, you know, and for a year afterwards, it was a top five podcast. It doesn't have to be Oprah, Tony Robbins, and Ferris. And uh, I'm just, you know, I, I tend to define myself as um, an entrepreneur, kind of like a digital colonist, you know, where there's this new era and it's quickly surpassing the real world that we're in. And, those that go out and colonize these unexplored masses are the ones that will 10, 15, 20 years from now be able to set the tone for what what is going to happen. And uh, I intend on setting a tone that's going to be conducive to a happy life for my kids and their kids, etc. Yeah, what an incredible success story, Trevor. I love your whole philosophy. Uh, when did fatherhood come into this picture for you, and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Totally changed it. I was 22. Um, I was going to school, and uh, I was excited, but I was also more of just an irresponsible, you know, party animal than I was prepared for fatherhood. <laughs> and so it uh, it changed everything, man. It uh, I I awoken I I kind of awakened to my sense of duty and became duty bound. I studied philosophy in college, and uh, I eventually dropped out, but you know, especially true to me was, you know, the writings of Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, Cato, very duty-driven, 
and this sense that what you do is a strong, um, what you do defines your belief system, defines your words, it defines everything else. And so fatherhood turned me from someone who was selfish into someone who cared about all those around me. And then it, I recognized slowly that my sphere of influence directly with my kids and my, my nuclear family would only be so strong that the outside, everything outside of that sphere of influence eventually would affect them more. So I, defied, I decided that my sphere of influence needed to become greater than just my nuclear family. And that's when my aspirations and desires to really uh, do what I do were magnified. And maybe it'll never happen. Maybe I'll fall flat on my face. I have, you know, dozens of times in the past. But uh, I'm intent on, on contributing the best I can. Very cool. All right. The internet can be a gold mine, which you have found out, but to that young, undeveloped mind, it could be, you know, have some devastating results. It's such a big part of what you do. So how do you kind of handle technology and screen time and all that with your kids? Yeah, a zero policy. They don't have devices. They don't use the internet. They don't. I mean, we have family computers. And so when homework calls for it, then they do it. But other than that, uh, there is no I mean, my kid's biggest lament is that while everyone else is talking about Fortnite, they have no clue, you know, what they're talking about. In fact, it's, and I'm sitting next to my son right now. We're driving to a callback for he, he acts. But back in the day when he had to well tears in his eyes, he would, his secret was to think about the fact that I will not let him play Fortnite. <laughs> that was like the magic sauce. The problem is, is that at this point in their life, the more time they spend on the screen, the less time they spend moving. And th these are the critical years. These years are the ones that determine who they're going to be, what they're going to believe, what they're going to spend their time doing. And it would just be a travesty if they set a tone of sitting around and being entertained all the time instead of figuring out how to entertain themselves, how to make things better, how to use their hands, how to run, how to move their body, to become familiar with what's outside, with how things taste, how things feel how to interact with other humans, what games to play, how do I resolve uh, issues. You resolve an issue online by throwing out an insult, and there's no consequence for that. But we live in a world of cause and effect. And so to, to live more online than you do in the real world is to create this false sense of reality. And I just don't want my kids to ever be that way. It's certainly harder. It would be so much easier for me to say, all right, everyone, go turn on Netflix and chill the heck out. Um, and sometimes I want to do that. But, um, you know, when we trade what we want most for what we want in the moment, we end up always um, unhappy with the ultimate consequence. Well said. Okay. okay, time for an important word from our sponsors and then right back with more from Trevor Chapman. I'm Alec Lace and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Seat Geek. Taking your kids to the ball game is one of the greatest experiences in all of fatherhood. And now, First Class Fatherhood has partnered with SeatGeek, and you could save $20 off your next ticket purchase by using the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS. Maybe you want to go to a Broadway show, a concert. SeatGeek has the best prices for a wide variety of events. It's a slam dunk deal, dads. Get over to www.seatgeek.com and use the promo code First class to get $20 off your next ticket purchase. SeatGeek.com. Okay, as you said in the quote there from the Harvard Review, they call you a digital marketing expert. 
Um, I've only dipped my toes into the online waters here. I never even had any social media accounts until I started this podcast. My boys, like so many other kids out there, they want to become YouTubers or start their own YouTube channel. Uh, From what I've been able to see, it appears like a lot of this game is in buying traffic, buying followers, using click farms, and all that type of stuff. What advice do you have for the parents out there that have kids or maybe even the parents themselves who are trying to grow their online presence or their social media presence organically? It's like absolutely everything else. People want to find um, a shortcut to success. It's the exact same answer if you're starting a business. It's the exact same answer if you're publishing a book. Um, It has to be quality. And that can be quality humor. That can be quality extremism. It can be anything else. If If it's going to attract a following then if you buy followers, they're not, I mean, they'll, they'll be fake or they'll fall away from you. Right. However, having said that, let me kind of give you my, my deeper, my deeper advice because everyone will tell you that the content has to be good. When I got ready to launch my podcast, I said, I don't want to wait for 200 million downloads before I compete with Tim Ferriss. Same with most things. Um, There's not enough life to kind of stand in line with everyone else. And so I recognize that the entire internet is based off of other people like you and I who determine the rules and who write the code. And so I said, what is it that pushes a podcast to the very top? I also did this with a family vlog. We went from zero to over a million subs in 45 days. And the podcast, you know, zero to top five and roughly a little bit less, same amount of time. This is how you look at it. Result equals, and then what's the equation after that? There are, there are variables that add marginally. There are variables that subtract marginally. And then there are the multiplying variables on those variables that divide. You stay away from anything that divides, and you focus only on the variables that multiply your end result. And by an intense focus on those variables, you'll quickly cut past everybody else in the field. An example is, I, had an, I was being interviewed by this guy when we sold one of our sites, and he said, how is this even possible? Your add to cart button is pixelated. <clears throat> and it just so happens that a pixelated add to cart button is one of those things that a lot of people that never sell their companies spend a lot of time on. But it's something that absolutely does not matter whatsoever to a consumer. They literally do not care. When people start a podcast, they spend so much time trying to figure out what the jingle is going to be what their first words are on it, etc. I knew what I had to do in the first 30 seconds was attract someone that had never listened to it before. So I sat down, I thought about it, and in one take, with uh, maybe 10 minutes of scrolling through music, recorded an intro on my iPhone, and my biggest complaint for the first six months of my podcast was that the voice was blown out through the speakers, but it didn't stop people from listening to it. And so you've got to focus only on those things that actually drives the result forward and on absolutely nothing else. Um, and once you have extra jet fuel to burn, then fly around fixing the pixelated add to cart button and the overexposed audio or whatever the terminology is. Um, and that's it. Unfortunately, if you were taking a trend now where you almost have to prostitute the content to get a ridiculous amount of followers, and as that occurs, the quality of the content drops, the quality of the visitor drops. Um, it's easier to do that than to create content that is entertaining, worthwhile, uh, worth viewing. 
And that's why there's a vast difference between the Internet, something like YouTube, and Netflix. Netflix is dropping $18 billion this year into content. YouTube, you know, is probably grossing significantly less in ad revenue um, or netting significantly less in ad revenue than that, and yet it's just a different viewer, right? It's a different demographic. And so, um, that is, I mean, that that's immediately what comes to mind. Awesome advice, Trevor. That's really good stuff. Uh, because you were involved so much with marketing, I have to ask you this. Like, is there a strategy to portraying the father as the dope or the family man as that kind of guy who just has seemed to have given up on life? Because dad, the way dads are presented on TV and in the movies, even in the advertisements, it doesn't really match up with most of the dads that I know. I always call it an attack on fatherhood in a sense. Is there anything to that from a marketing standpoint? <clears throat> well, so there's a difference between marketing and entertainment. And in the entertainment realm, that is absolutely – see, marketing is painting an image of what could be. And entertainment is painting an image of something that is, but in an extreme manner. And so in marketing, you know, if you're going to sell something to a dad, then you, you paint the image of what could be. And in a desire to make that a reality for them, they then buy it. And our, our problem right now is with entertainment and, you know, to be uh, – somewhat blunt, at least my opinion, is with, and I have no problem with this, I love my girls more than anything on the planet and my wife, but it's the feminization of our culture um, where these masculine traits we look at as uh, inherently wrong, that it's almost the, the caveman side of us and that we, we should not want to be fam, uh, masculine, we, we need to feminize everything. And in doing so, it creates a polarity that is hard to reconcile. And so when you see this dope of a dad on, on TV, et cetera, almost often he's either extremely feminized or ex extremely masculine. And there's very few people who fit into one of those two extremes. You know, the, the curve in the middle is a balance between the two. But a balance doesn't spell, nor do people want to watch a balance uh, because that's boring that curve right in the middle is, is the boring area. And so we, we seek for these extremes. Um, I think that as we come to accept, as disasters occur internally and externally, we start to kind of embody more and more what, what we really are. And, and when we do that, we will, look, it's been over 10 years since the last crisis. People who weren't affected by 2008, when they are, they'll quickly find that superfluous things don't matter while they're trying to just simply survive. And, you know, it's been how many years since 9-11? The next time we have something domestically as, as horrendous as that again, there won't be time for all the, the superfluous um, ideas. Like, I want to be careful how I say this because, you know, I don't want to um, paint the wrong opinion. But in moments of real life, not just kind of the fairy tales that, that we're able to live in right now because of, uh, the state of, of reality, once we hit real life again, I think that a lot of that will and should change, at least on an individual level, not in entertainment, but, you know, but, but in our, our actual realities. Yeah, very good points, Trevor. And we are definitely facing a fatherless problem in our country, and kids definitely benefit from having both sides of the coin. I mean, you can debate about who should be playing which role, but I don't think it really matters. I think a child definitely needs somebody to love them and to nourish them, and then somebody to fight and protect them. And having both parents present is really vital to a child's upbringing. 
Yeah, a mother protects the child from the world and a father prepares the child for the world. And if you're not prepared and always protected, then it smacks you across the head. And if you're if you're always prepared and never nurtured and protected, then you, you turn out harsh. And so it's like, you know, in order for a magnet to be stable, it requires both north and south, yin and yang. I mean, there's a duality to everything. And whenever we try to upset that balance, things go south. Well said. All right, Trevor, at 35, you have accomplished so much in your life already. What's next for you? What kind of goals do you have for the future? What's next for Trevor Chapman? Well, you know, I, I kind of seek two things, tranquility and peace of mind. You can't put a, uh, a number on either of those. And tranquility is not happiness. Happiness is fleeting. It comes, it goes. But tranquility is a, kind of a state. Um, and peace of mind, you just can't put a number on that. It's not worth doing anything that will subtract peace of mind. So everything that I do moving forward is in alignment with those two principles. Um, aside from, you know, uh, maximizing the time that I have left with my kids that are at home and et cetera, um, I uh, tend to sum at one peak. And I enjoy that peak for a moment, and then I see the next one in the distance. And I, I start trekking in towards that before I start to climb. And so I'm, I'm often moving that direction. I mean, right now I'm really focused on where we're going to be going over the next 10 years. Celebrities and people of influence will stop promoting other people's products, and instead they'll launch their own. We're already seeing this from the Kardashian makeup line to Arnold Schwarzenegger and LeBron James um, starting their own supplement line. Um, to you name it. And as as this becomes more of a trend, as the earth becomes proverbially more flat, um, this will become far more um, a constant. And I want to be that source that they go to when they're like, all right, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to promote a Chanel perfume. I want my own fragrance. Who do we go to? Well, this is who you go to. That's kind of what my focus is right now. Awesome, man. Yeah, very impressive. Last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Trevor, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice could you give to that new dad or to that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Here it is. Um, That image that you have of what uh, happens to dads that is both um, promoted by entertainment like we talked about and those dads that you saw when you were in college and they had a kid so early and they live in the same apartment for five years and they always have runny noses and they're they're all they're never dressed like that is not real you do not have to accept that life as as, as you can have everything you dreamt of and more the the thing that you have to do is is prepare and live as though that's going to happen i remember for many years i saw all of the sacrifices that i made um alongside my family i saw that i made the sacrifice Therefore, I have this family. And I recognize the value of both of them. There came a point in time, though, when all of a sudden I recognized this odd sensation where I was like, I don't even recognize these sacrifices anymore because these are no longer sacrifices. This is what I want. Therefore, it's not it's – like, it's like if you first start on a diet and you recognize that you're not eating the chocolate cake because you're trying to get healthy. But after a while, you don't even want the chocolate cake. It's not what you want. That day will come where you, you stop noticing the sacrifices and you're like, this is what I want. I wouldn't have it any other way. And so set aside any of those concerns and just lead a life of excitement and grand adventure because that's what it is. And if it is not that, it's because you've chosen for there to be no adventure. Right on. That's great stuff. I love the message. Trevor Chapman, I got to say, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. 
You bet. Thank you. Appreciate it, brother. Okay, back wrapping things up in just a second here. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Trevor Chapman for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM over on Instagram. I always love to read your feedback. And then lock it in for tomorrow. We're going to finish off the week with a bang here. Former Marine, former United States Navy SEAL Team 6 operator, Eddie Penny, will be joining me on the podcast. So it's going to be a Frogman Friday. Don't miss out. I hope you've enjoyed all the podcasts this week. Please don't keep them to yourself. Sharing is caring. Let every dad in your neighborhood know about the podcast here. And let's keep this celebration of fatherhood rolling right along. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Tall as a tree, and it's all feeling so.